Welcome to Testing the Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. On episode 43, I interviewed Kelsey Hightower. And after we wrapped up the interview, I asked him one last question. You see, I admire his presentation style. So I asked him if he would share with me how he prepared for his presentations. His answer is so thoughtful and makes so much sense, I couldn't keep it to myself. I'm releasing this as a bonus mini-episode, so that it's easy to refer back to the next time you or I have a chance to do a technical talk. One of the things that uh, I didn't ask about, because I didn't want it to be the focus of the podcast, but I'd love to hear your, your thoughts sometimes on, uh, on how do you get ready for a talk. I'll tell you exactly how I'll get ready. I only talk about the things that I do way ahead of time, right? So right now I'm working on a lot of serverless stuff internally at Google, learning what the world thinks about serverless, forming my own opinions, playing with all the tools that are out there, rediscovering event-driven architectures, even all the way back to XINET-D, right? So I'm living it. I'm using it. I'm building prototypes. I'm failing. I'm succeeding. And then when someone says, we would like you to give a talk, or I don't really submit CIPs anymore. I'm just, I've been fortunate where I'm getting invited a lot. So when someone says, we want you to give a talk, and I say, well, the only things I want to talk about right now are maybe serverless or my ideas of serverless. And then you've been preparing way before the talk occurs. So then when it's time to present, in some cases, I don't use slides, or if cases where I use slides, I try to start with the story, right? What idea do I want to communicate? And if it's a technical product or idea or something that can involve a technical product, then what I like to do is put together an end-to-end example, right? Here's how I think people should be doing integration testing for this kind of app. So I would build that kind of app prototype and actually run it through end-to-end testing, maybe using Jenkins or some system. Once I got that whole flow, where I can repeat it, right? Now I have the story arc. And I can look at that end-to-end flow and says, yes, this visually communicates everything that I want to talk about. And now I have kind of the sideshow ready. And then I ask myself, do I need slides to augment this? Maybe I need a diagram to show that end-to-end pipeline because it's way too much for people to wrap their heads around. So, okay, a slide can be given to the, the full picture so that people can have it in their heads and I can talk through it. And then maybe there's some new new products that I'm going to introduce where it's like maybe there's a new CICD system that people have never heard of. So maybe I give a new slide to that with the logo and kind of how it's different than everything else that's out there. And then once I'm covered in those areas, that's enough on the slides because the rest of it should be talking. I'm not going to read from the slides. And then I roll into this demo. And again, most demos that I prepare only have about eight to nine commands, but it's the narration which adds to the whole thing. So, hey, let's say you have an app that does X and you show the app really quickly. And then you say, so how would you test an app like this end-to-end considering that it talks to Redis and it talks to a database and you want to do it in a way that's safe? So now everyone has the problem statement. Everyone now knows that we're at the same starting point and now we know the goal is to get to the end where we're doing what I propose. And then it becomes very natural for you because you present in the way that you would present to a coworker sitting next to you. 
right? And then on stage, whether it's 10 people or 8,000 people, you're just going to be in such a natural element that you won't necessarily have to freeze up because you know it's only going to be eight or nine commands. You can have lots of confidence because you put together a story that made sense to you and you built it. So all the things you need are there, credibility, confidence, and all the things that the audience can watch and say, wow, I know where this is going. There's a conclusion. Do you practice the entire thing? No, I don't practice anymore because, like I said, my talks are based on how I would interact with anyone. So I've been practicing my whole life, right? And so have you. So when you think about that kind of style, if you were to get into a circle of people, maybe five people that you know, the way you would talk to them is you could have a lot of confidence that they're not judging you as a speaker. They're just listening to what you have to say. And that's usually true of most events. They just want to listen to what you have to say. They're not like, oh, you're a speaker. Let me see if you're a great speaker. Eh, Not so much. So if you take that confidence on stage, you know, like sometimes if you have too many notes, then they constrain your thinking on stage because then you watch people's body language respond in a weird way. Your notes didn't account for that. So then you keep reading your notes and you lose the moment. Yeah. Right. So the rehearse needs to be, am I confident in my personal understanding of these topics? Maybe the slides can help guide me a little bit. Maybe the demo has a nice, clear set of start and finish. Then what you have to do is trust that you know the flow. And when you go on stage, it feels very natural for you to kind of pivot when the audience needs you to pivot a little. Use the slides to stay on focus. So really, if there's going to be any practice, it's really just to make sure that do these slides help me remember that I'm going in the right direction? Does the demo have the right set of commands that lets me go in the right direction? Also escape hatches, right? Showing the logs when it doesn't work could be a good escape hatch or trying to troubleshoot when it goes wrong and say, well, that didn't work. But now let's talk about how you would troubleshoot one of these things if it didn't work. If you're prepared for that, your talk is going to be amazing even the second and third time around. How about timing? I mean, you get, you know, a lot. there's a big difference between like say 20 minutes and 45 minutes. So if someone told me I had a 45 minute talk, I'm going to do 20 minutes of content. That's it. And slow down on stage, right? You got 20 minutes. Make it the best 20 minutes people have ever seen. Slow down, trim the content, trim the boilerplate, trim the noise. And as you slow down, knowing that you only have 20 minutes of content, when you see people's body language respond or people lean in when you say something, then it may say, oh, wow, they're leaning in here. Let me go into a little bit more detail about that because that was unexpected. Okay. But you're not, but you're not rushing because you know you only got 20 minutes of content. And then you're going to wrap up around 24 minutes, 25 minutes. And then maybe you do five or 10 minutes of Q&A. And who cares if you leave 10 minutes early? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you, um, if you're given the same, same content to a couple different places, these are completely, these are going to be very different talks possibly. Yeah, exactly. So if someone's watched me give a Kubernetes talk one year and they watch me do this, you know, it's not really the same talk because I usually try to build some new prototype to go along with it. Since I'm just kind of ad-libbing as I go, it feels very localized to whoever I'm giving the talk to because I'm looking at them in their eyes and I'm listening to their body language. And then I, I navigate that and it's a unique experience for everyone that's in attendance. Okay, this is great. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks a lot. 
Uh, later, Brian. Have a good day. Bye.